Hello and welcome to another episode of the Curious Cat podcast. I am your host, Sebastian Bowen, joined as always by my co-host, Zoe Maria Kesselman. Hello. Hello, Zoe. This week is our special shorter episode, the Stay Curious series. We have a, another short story for you in the theme of Halloween. And it's a short story that I've written and it's called The Private Caller. I hope you enjoy it. A 50-year-old George Bunker lay in his bed, gazing out of the bedroom window. He wasn't really looking at anything, just drifting. The type of stare you hold onto unknowingly when time has no bearing on the day anymore. He was suddenly jolted out of his daydream by the sound of the doorbell ringing. He looked over towards a video monitor on his bedside wall where he could see a woman waving to him with a smile. He pressed a button that allowed her to access the house. His home was full of gadgets and tech, especially since the accident. It was one year ago today, but he was still adjusting to his new life. Once a fit, able-bodied man who enjoyed adrenaline-filled lifestyle has now been confined to a bed, wheelchair, and a smaller, frailer frame of a body for the last 365 days. Is everything all right? Shelley is a strong-looking woman with dark brown hair. She's wearing a blue nurse's uniform, carrying a brightly coloured carrier bag. So how are things? Are you feeling any better? You said you were feeling a little down last night due to it being the anniversary of your accident today? Well... You know what? The best thing to do is to try and distract yourself with something and not think about it. My mother always says if you dwell on it, it'll only make things worse, Mr Bunker. You're probably right. I thought the two of us could play some games today. Games? Yeah, you know, like board games. Cards, dominoes... I even bought my father's old chessboard round. I don't really know how to play it, but I thought you could teach me if you know. Shelley puts a carrier bag filled with games on the bottom of the bed. I don't know. I'm not really in the mood for games right now. Nonsense. You just need something to eat first. Let me make you something, and then after breakfast you can show me the difference between a bishop and a rook. Shelley grabs an empty water jug and glass from the bedside table before leaving the room. He falls into another daydream of his holiday in South America. Rock climbing it was, with friends. How he wished he could do that again one day. He smiles for almost a moment before his reality seeps back in. His attention is interrupted by the vibration of his phone ringing. He answers it. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Is anybody there? He is about to hang up when he thinks he hears something. Nothing much, just a faint sound. He calls out once again. Hello, is anybody there? Shelley enters the room again, holding a bacon sandwich. I'm sorry, was you calling me? No, I just had a call. Oh, sorry, was it important? I'm not really sure. It was was a private number. When I answered, nobody said anything. Maybe they had the wrong number. People do that all the time, you know. Yes, maybe. But I could have sworn somebody was there. Even though they weren't saying anything, it was as if they were just listening to me oh don't be silly mr bunker why would they do that i'm sure if it was important they'll call back you might have dodged a bullet it might be one of those centers trying to sell you something like ppi yes maybe maybe george takes a bite out of his sandwich and sits back thinking shelley begins unpacking the bag in between lunch and dinner the two of them play games together throughout the day george regretfully and frustratingly tries to teach her how to play chess Just as Shelley was beginning to get the hang of it, it was time for her to leave. It's a shame. I really think I would have beaten you in the next game. 
Yes, yes, I'm sure. Do you need me to do anything before I leave, Mr Bunker? No, I think I have everything. I'm pretty tired anyway. I think I would just go to sleep. Actually, could you just pass the TV remote before you go? Shelley hands him the remote, does one last check of the room and Mr Bunker before heading towards the door. Right, I'm off then. I'll be back in the morning as usual. You try get some rest, okay? Yes, yes, thank you, Shelley. That's quite all right. George turns on the television and starts watching a football match between Tottenham and Chelsea. He thinks back to a few years ago playing five-a-side football with the boys from work. He was never that great at football, but loved taking part and getting stuck in. He was just a competitive person by nature, more vain than competitive. The type of guy that would do the sport because he had purchased all the kit. His vanity was always a problem. To be seen as anything than perfect was seen as a great misfortune. He thinks of all the people he has pushed away since... It's another private number. George hesitantly answers it. Hello? Again, nobody answers. Hello? Can you hear me? Who's speaking, please? He's about to hang up the phone when suddenly he hears something faintly, a whisper. Hello? Is somebody there? Who is it? I can barely hear you. Can you hear me? George looks at the reception bars on his phone. They're all full, so he shouldn't have any trouble on his end. Hello? George definitely heard that this time. Who is that? Look, if, if this is some kind of joke, you have the wrong person. I don't have time for this type of thing. George hangs up the phone. A few minutes later, it rings again, and again, and again, until eventually George is forced to switch his phone off. He did not like the thought of his phone being switched off. What if someone broke into his house and he needed to call someone immediately? Besides that, he was still one of the heads of an international company. He needed his phone to be on so he could receive calls at any time with regard to the business. It was something that he prided himself on and urged his colleagues to do. Time is money, which means business is 24 hours a day, and nobody should have an excuse for missing a call. Something he was famous for for saying at board meetings. Instead, he decided to wait for about 10 minutes before switching it back on again. After 10 minutes passed, he waited with anticipation as the loading screen on the phone brightly lit up the room, then faded away to reveal the home screen. It went silent again for a moment. And then... Hello? Who is it? Why do you keep calling? There was nothing. Answer me. Why are you doing this? Has somebody put you up to this? Look... The line goes dead. The phone didn't ring again that night, but George found it very hard to sleep. He was certain he heard a voice and couldn't help obsess over it. He decided to call to customer services to see if they could trace the call. Hello, is, is this customer services? Hello, sir. Yes. How can I help you? Yes, I'm I'm wondering if you could, could help me. I, I've, I've keep receiving a call from a private number, but is, is there any way to track the number? No, I'm sorry, there isn't. Have you tried blocking the number? No, not yet. I, I, I might try that. But will that work if it's a private number? I'm not really sure. You might have to just try it and give it a go. 
there must be some way of tracking down the number though there must be something you can do this is this is like harassment have you called the police to let them know the police no no i would rather not get them involved i'm sure they have more pressing issues to deal with at the moment no no let's leave the police out of this well if it happens again you might want to try blocking the number and if that doesn't work then call me back with this reference number have you got a pen darn it uh, yes go ahead Everything okay? Yes, yes. Sorry, I just knocked something over. Please, go ahead. The reference number is 21082209. I've made a note on the system, so if you call back and quote the reference, we might be able to offer a further solution. George hangs up the call and heads to the settings on his phone. He blocks the unknown private number, then sits the phone back down on a bedside table. He lifts the small ornament that fell over and notices the nose has broken off. He looks for it on the floor but cannot see anything and is unable to move from the bed. It bothers him and keeps him up for another 30 minutes before falling into a deep sleep. George wakes up to the sound of the doorbell. He sees Shelley on the monitor and lets her in. Hi Mr Bunker, how are you today? Not great. I couldn't get much sleep last night. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. Were you thinking about the accident? No, it wasn't It wasn't even that. Somebody just kept calling me, private number, over and over again. It was driving me crazy. Uh, any ideas who it was? No, and I called the phone company to see if they could find out who it is. But they said there was no way of knowing. They said the most I can do is block the number. Well, that should sort it out then. No need to worry about it anymore. Have you had any more calls? No, not yet. George and Shelley spent the day much like the day before playing games and passing the time with mindless small talk. But all the while, George is continuously distracted and can't quite resist the occasional glance over at his phone. So did they say anything? Who? The person on the phone. No, no, not really. I'm I'm not sure. I thought I heard them say hello a couple of times, but other than that, nothing else. Hello? Just hello? That's odd. Well, is it a man or a woman? I'm, I'm not sure. It's very faint, but... Sounds like it could be a man, I guess. Well, I wouldn't let it bother you. It's probably just some kids messing about. To Shelley's dismay, the conversation that day kept returning to the private caller. It wasn't that Shelley had no interest for such stories, but more of a concern about raising Mr Bunker's anxiety levels. In the last year, she had witnessed many sides to Mr Bunker and has found when he is stressed, he can become very angry. In fact, more than angry, some would describe it as furious. He's always apologetic afterwards, and somehow convinces you that this was a one-off incident. But Shelley had seen it more than a few times to know it wasn't the case. There was a darkness in Mr Bunker, but you couldn't always tell if it was due to the accident, or if it was just who he was. As Shelley desperately tried to divert the conversation away, like a car heading from Wood's traffic... The anticipation of the phone ringing was becoming almost a third person in the room. Before long, they would have dealt it a hand of cards too. The anticipation grew, and soon, George had managed to work himself up enough. His anxiety and somewhat distress was beginning to peak. This was not going unnoticed by Shelley. Look, what if somebody is watching me, or, or, you know... I know! Why don't you read a book or something? Let's put the games away. I will grab you a book to read whilst I prepare you something to eat. But we haven't even finished. It's okay, you win. It's just, we were having so much fun I didn't realise the time. I needed to get something ready for dinner anyway. 
Shelley packs away the games and hands Mr. Bunker a collection of books off the shelf. She heads downstairs to the kitchen. George pushes the books to one side and leans over to pick up his phone. It startles him. He drops the phone. George tries to reach for the phone, but he can't reach it. He can see it's the private caller. He leans over with the top half of his body while his legs remain still. His fingertips are millimetres away from the screen. He tries to answer it, but can't quite reach. He gives one last push, but this time ends up falling out of bed. Shelley comes rushing into the room and sees Mr. Bunker holding a bloody nose. Oh my gosh, are you alright? What's happened? Hold your head up. She grabs some tissues and holds George's nose up. Once the bleeding stops, she helps George back into bed. The phone! Never mind the phone, I'm worried about you. Answer it, please! Hello? Look, there's no one there. George snatches the phone back in a hurry. Hello? Nobody answers. What did they say? What did they say? Nothing. I didn't hear anything. Hopefully they'll call back. I thought you didn't want them to call. I just want to know who it is. <sighs> Look, you're getting yourself worked up over nothing again. Like I said, it's probably just kids messing about. Ignore it. That's easy for you to say. Okay, let's call the phone company again and see if they can block it or do something else. They called the phone company and explained the situation all over again, despite the last operator saying they had put a note on the system and gave George's own special reference. The operator said they would see what they could do about blocking the number. But in the meantime, if it is really a problem or a nuisance, and George is really worried about it, then there really were only two options. One, he could just change his number. George declined the offer and said it'd be too much work telling everybody his new number. And he had grown fond of his old phone number because he had had it for years. The second option was to inform the police and see what they could do. No, 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 I, I, I don't want to get the police involved. Let's just, um, let's just see what you can do on your end, but let's leave the police out of it, if that's okay. George hung up the phone and wandered off into a deep thought. Right, now I'm going to continue making dinner. George does not respond. Shelley quickly exits the room. After dinner, Shelley decided she would take the spare room for the night to keep an eye on George after this evening's events. She turns in for the night and George begins reading one of the books that was still sitting on his bed from earlier. As he begins to read, his eyelids grow heavier and within a short space of time, he falls asleep. It's around 3 o'clock in the morning when... Hello? 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 Who is this? I can hear you, you know. George was stunned. They said his name. They knew his name. Who, who, who is this? How, how, how do you know my name? Shelley! Shelley! What is it, George? He knows my name. Who? Who? The, the, the private caller. Right. Let's call the police. No, 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 no. Just, just call the phone company again. George makes the call and gives his reference again. And explains the situation, again. This time, the operator informs him that they've had some similar complaints from customers and the police have had to get involved. They need to report all incidents to the police to follow up. No, I, I mean, I don't want you to. If, if that's okay, let's just forget the whole thing, please. It's out of our hands, I'm afraid. We're legally obligated to inform the police of any similar cases. Don't worry, it's probably nothing. All I can say is that they think it's coming from a wooded area near Oak Hill Park. Oak Hill Park. Oak Hill Park. Oak Hill Park.
George's pupils start to dilate and he feels his heart rate go into overdrive. The words Oak Hill Park ringing in his ears. A look of terror sweeps across his face like a light breeze. That moment of realisation can only be summed up in one word. Oh. George hangs up the phone. George, what's the matter? What did they say? George remained silent, just thinking. His eyes were moving around in his sockets like he was remembering or reliving events that he decided he didn't want to recollect. He knew this day would probably come, but denial had been such a warm blanket of comfort up until now. That was until he heard the words, Oak Hill Park. He knew what he must do. I need you to drive me there. Where? To, to Oak Hill Park. Oak Hill Park? Why? Because we need to go there now. Now? It's three in the morning. Let's just go. Mr. Bunker, you are not making any sense. Just trust me. I need you to drive me there now. Despite everything she knew, Shelley helped get Mr. Bunker into the car and the two of them set off for Oak Hill Park. The park was filled with darkness and shadows lit only by moonlight, dancing around in the trees as the branches moved from side to side. As they approached the entrance, Shelley paused for a second and looked over at Mr. Bunker, who was almost in tears. He had a profound look of sadness. Well, why have you stopped? Do you still want me to continue? George nodded his head slowly. They drove forward a few more yards until the car could get no further. We need to go the rest of the way on foot. It's not far, it's just over by that tree. Shelley takes the wheelchair out of the vehicle and assists Mr Bunker getting into it. George asks her to open the boot of his car. She pops the trunk and he takes out a shovel. What do you need that for? George remains silent and just points. A couple of minutes later they arrive at a part in the wood. Stop. This is it. Near that tree. I'm going to need you to dig. Dig? What for? I don't like the sound of this, Mr. Bunker. George, at this point, starts crying, almost sobbing. (laughs) Mr. Bunker, please stop crying. Okay, okay, I will help you. But you need to tell me what's going on. Shelley begins to dig, and Mr. Bunker begins to talk. This time last year, Shelley, I was at a dinner party. Nothing special, just some old friends of mine. I was driving back home, listening to the radio, For some reason, the radio started getting all static. I looked down for a moment to see what the problem was. I swear, it really was just a split second. And then when I looked back up, there was a boy just standing there in front of the car on his phone, like a deer in the headlights. It was too late for me to do anything. And then the car flipped. Oh my God, what happened to the poor boy? George looks down to where Shelley is digging and hangs his head in shame and continues to sob. (laughs) I tried to help him, believe me, but there was nothing I could do. But why didn't you call an ambulance or something? I'd been drinking, but I wasn't drunk, you know, but I I knew what they would say. I, I, I would have lost everything. Wait, but if you did this, how did you manage to get away? After the crash, how did you manage to bury him without any help? It wasn't until later that I lost the use of my legs. People always assumed it was the crash itself, but I was walking for many hours afterwards. It wasn't until I did what I did that I began to feel a slight tingle, a twitch in my right leg. It was aching for a minute or two, 
But within a matter of hours, I was paralysed. I told the doctors that I had fallen off a tractor and hit the ground pretty hard. They did tests but found nothing. As far as they are concerned, there is nothing wrong and I should be walking. I could tell some of them thought I was faking it at first. But I always knew what it was. It was this. It was him. What do you mean? The further away I got from him, the weaker I became. Like he was pulling me back. As if we were tethered in some way. Like his soul had made a decision. We are not going to let this one get away so easily. That same feeling I have felt tonight, the closer I got to him, something was happening. That familiar feeling. Shelley looks down to where she's digging. What did you do, Mr Bunker? I don't think I can do this. Whatever it is you want me to do, I don't want to get involved. I thought this was going to be like money or a trinket you'd buried. That you wanted to recover. Nothing like this. It's okay, Shelley. I don't think I need you anymore. George stands up slowly out of the wheelchair. He takes the shovel from Shelley's hand. Shelley stumbles backwards in shock. George takes the shovel and begins beating Shelley to death with it. He fell to his knees and rummaged around in the dirt. He found the body of the young boy. He rummaged around some more, trying not to vomit into his own mouth as the stench streamed upwards into his nostrils. He reached in and found what he was looking for. The phone. He rose up in victory with a glint of a smile smudged onto his face. He drags Shelley's body and dumps her into the same grave. He walks away with a feeling of accomplishment. But after just a few steps, he feels a familiar twitch. The twitch he felt a year ago today. He took another step and a pain shot into his legs. He knew that if he took one more step further, his necks would be on his knees. It now dawned on him the magnitude of his predicament. Without Shelley to take him home, he was stuck. If he did the right thing and turned himself in, he would be able to walk again and his poor souls could rest. However, Although he would regain the use of his legs again, he would surely be spending the rest of his days in prison. This episode was written by Sebastian Bohm and narrated by myself and Zoe Marie Kasselman. This short story was inspired by the Twilight Zone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, stay curious.